This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You are listening to the Hiking Radio Network, where we talk the walk with shows by hikers, about hikers, for everybody. Welcome to the Trail Dames Podcast, where we speak with women who love to dance upon this earth. So I got an email one day and I opened it up and it just basically had two sentences in it. It said, I listened to your podcast and thought maybe you'd like to have a conversation sometime. And so I clicked on the link thinking, why not? I discovered this woman in the UK who is living my dream life. Now, I have lots of dream lives, I won't lie to you. But one of the things that I wish I could do more than anything is travel all over the world, hike, climb mountains, backpack, and do it raising money for causes that are important to me. Well, today's guest is Shadi Gunjavian Connor, and that is exactly what she does. Her journey to that career is really interesting. It's not what she started out wanting to do. Um, not she, she wasn't even thinking about it. And one day she was on vacation. She met a woman in a bar. They had a couple of drinks. And before she knew it, she was on a new career path. This is what she does. She raises money for children's hospitals and for cancer wards. And she does it by going all over the world. She's even headed to the North Pole for climate change next year. You're going to love talking to Shadi. I'm really glad you found us here today. My name is Anna Huthmaker. All my friends call me Mudbutt. And you're listening to the Trail Dames podcast. Now, when I'm done with my conversation with Shadi, hang out for a few minutes. I'm going to share another couple of my own Appalachian Trail journal entries with you. Thanks for finding us here. Now, enjoy meeting Shadi. I'm going to dance upon the Shadi, hey, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us on the Trail Dames podcast. Thank you, Anna, for having me. It's exciting to see you and chat to you. It's exciting to see you too. I have to tell you that having guests from um, the UK, it just makes me feel so international and so cool. <laughs> well, I feel the same way listening to your beautiful accent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's a little Southern in here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, well, speaking of loving it, so I had to tell the listeners that um, when I first saw your website. So y'all are all going to learn all about Shadi during this conversation. So I don't want to give away all the surprises. But when I first saw your website, I was simultaneously just enthralled. I wanted you to be my best friend. And I kind of wanted to be you when I grew up. 
But I was also a little terrified because there there's all these pictures of you like on these giant snowy mountains. And um, that's what drew me in at first. And then the reason that you do the things you do is what kept me there and what I really want to talk about today. But can we just jump in and can we just start with your first mountain? Because before you ever climbed a mountain, were you, are you a hiker? Were you an outdoors person? Um, I was an outdoors person. Um, I've always liked the outdoors. So I grew up in, in Austria, in Vienna, and we used to go skiing at the weekends. I loved being outside. And then I became an awful teenager and I hated the outside. And, you know, fast forward a few years, um, then I had children. And of course, your life is consumed by these children. You know, you have very little time for yourself. And it happened that on my 40th birthday, um, my husband had booked me this trip to St. Lucia. And we were in St. Lucia and we could see the pitons. And I said to him, wouldn't it be cool to go and spend a day just going hiking up the piton? Um, And he was like, that is not my idea of fun, darling. But if you want to do that, go for it. So off I toddled. And um, whilst I was climbing this, um, you know, it's quite bouldery. It's um, very rich in vegetation. So quite um, uh, damp, uh, rainforesty, you know, not the most pleasant of hikes. You know, you've got sweat dropping from places that you didn't know you could sweat from. I met this amazing, gorgeous American lady called Leslie, who is one of my best friends now. She's from New York and she was like, F, you know, swearing. What are we doing here? And I said, well, you've paid your guide. I've paid my guide. There's obviously a common reason. We're a bit crazy. Anyway, so we summited the pit on um, and it was really good fun. And I really liked that exploration and that pushing your boundary and that working out how to get somewhere when you don't have the skill set as such. Um, And then I got to my hotel and Leslie was there in the hotel and I was like, oh my goodness, this is fetish. So we exchanged a few drinks at the bar and then I think we had a few too many drinks. Um, And one of us, I think it may have been me, was like, why don't we do an adventure together? Bear in mind, I don't even know this woman. I've just met her in the jungle. Um, And she said, I'm totally up for it. Where should we go? I said, well, I don't know. What about Mont Blanc? It sounds nice. No idea really where it is. I know it's in Europe. And she just said yes. And that was it. I love it. I I have to tell you, so right now, as women are listening to this podcast all over the country, maybe all over the world, they're nodding and they're going, yep, we get how that happens. Cause it's just, it's so incredible how, first of all, I'm a big believer in fate, bringing people together and that, that you have things to do together and that you're supposed to be friends, but there's something about a hike. There's something about the outdoors. There's something about working hard. And when you meet each other on that trail, magic happens. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in y'all's case, magic happened. That is exactly what happened. Magic did happen. And it, she's like my lost, you know, soulmate. You know, I don't know. There's, there's a deeper connection between us. Um, so in my mind, I wanted to do something for charity for my local uh, Teenage Cancer Trust. It's a unit that looks after teenagers with cancer, basically. And they needed this piece of equipment, which is 13,000 pounds sterling, which is the equivalent of 22, 23,000 US dollars. And I thought, well, 
running a half a marathon or a marathon's not going to allow me to raise that money because people are going to go, oh, here she goes. Yeah, she's doing this and we have to sponsor her or, you know, and I just thought actually doing something a little bit different would make people go, whoa, I'm definitely, and I have a fear of heights, by the way. So I, I don't like the cold. I don't like heights and I have no clue where Mont Blanc is. I don't really have the finances in place, the skill set or anything. I just have a buddy who said yes, but she's equally ill-equipped. So the pair of us. <laughs> I love it. Well, I have to tell you, I have entered almost every adventure I ever took completely ill-equipped. So I, you're already barking up the right tree as far as I'm concerned. So, but for, um, And I want to go back for a second and I wanted to ask you why the, the Teenage Cancer Program? What was it about that that drew you in? What was your connection? Well, there was no connection, actually. Um, the only thing for me is I like um, anything to do with children is my passion. You know, I think that children deserve the best start in life. And I just think that if you have cancer, I mean, that's tragic um, for you to have to start your life having to endure those chemicals and that, that missing that vital part of your childhood. So um, these units uh when the tr children are being treated, they don't feel like they're in hospital. It feels like they're at home. It's very cleverly designed. And I thought, actually, how amazing to to offer them this piece of equipment that they haven't got the funds um, to facilitate the treatment. Um, so no connection, um, but just that children and wanting it to be local and to physically see where the money goes. That's important to me. I mean, it's amazing when anybody raises any money for, for charity. But I think if you are uber passionate about what you do, then people always dig that little bit further to sponsor you rather than something that is not that, you know, close to your heart, perhaps. That is, that is so true. And I just want to, as a little aside, I want to say how great it is that this was for teenagers because um, they are still children. When I was a teenager, I didn't believe that. I thought it was a full grown on adult, <laughs> but, but they are still children. And I think so often with a lot of things in this world, whether it be illness or adoption or whatever, we look at the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds and we're like, oh, and we give, give, give. And we forget that a 16-year-old, they need all of that. And they are also <laughs> missing a vital time in their life. And so, yeah, three cheers for that being your choice. I just want <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So you decided that you were going to shock people and climb a mountain. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. The most extraordinary thing happened. First of all, um, I had a, a mixed reaction. So some people were like, in awe, Shadi, this is amazing. How cool that you're doing this. And thank you for being so selfless and all this. And then there was another squad, another group of people who were like, uh, what about your kids? Uh, what about your dog? What about your husband? What about your work? You know, all the what ifs. And, and those were the people that I don't particularly like having too much in my life because they put the fire out. And actually, those are all their fears. I don't have those fears. My kids, my husband and I produce them. I mean, we care for them equally. If I'm not there, He's going to care for them. Um, my dog, I mean, you know, my neighbor will walk my dog. I mean, everything falls into place. When you say yes to something, 
things fall into place. The finances fell into place. People were coming forward and saying, can we sponsor your equipment? Do you need a hand with your flights? Do you need a hand with your training? I mean, it all by magic because the intention was good. So the intention was to raise money for a good cause. Um, and I was so determined to do it. Everything just felt, it was a bit like the Cinderella, the moment, you know, where the fairy godmother comes, bibbidi bobbidi boo. It was very much like that. Everything started slotting into place. So that was fabulous. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I find that happens so often, you know, that um, um, once you are aligned with your purpose and your decision to do something, especially something really good for others, then help comes from all kind of unforeseen places. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so cool. And it gives you little goosebumps, but that's how you know it's working. That's how you know you're on the right path. That's right. You're absolutely spot on. That's exactly what happened. Everything fell into place. I mean, schools were coming forward and saying, could you come and tell us about your story and we'll fundraise for you. So then we had all these amazing schools and communities, children learning how to fundraise and think about others. So the ripple effect was extraordinary. And that made me feel like I had support and that people had my back. And when the training got too much, actually, it was them that were pushing me up the mountain, you know, um, because the, the, the purpose was to raise money and awareness for a cause. Of course, there's that element of personal growth because you're doing something new and learning, etc. But um, the, the main purpose was raising awareness of this amazing course. And we raised the money, more than raised the money. So, yes. I was, was going to say, was, I seem to remember you kind of blowing that fundraising goal out of the water. Is that right? Yes, we did. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, and then, of course, it, other expeditions happened after but, that. Right. Yeah. Before we go to your other ones, I, I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you a quick question because you mentioned half marathons and marathons. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming you are already in pretty good shape. So... I'd put on quite a lot of weight after my children. And so I decided to start running just because I felt a bit ugh about myself. And I am not a natural runner. I mean, I look like a hippo running, you know, whereas my <laughs> friends look like a gazelle, you know, I'm not agile and designed to run, but I'm determined to not let it you know, win me over. So anyway, so I'd um, go running and I'd do one kilometer, two kilometers, three kilometers. And, and I have done a half marathon. And in fact, I think it was last year, and this is what, 15 years on from this uh, original story of, of uh, the fundraiser that I did my, my full marathon. Um, a slow one. I'm not going to break any records, Anna, you know, and, and I, I just want to take part. You know, if I have to walk, I'm going to walk. If I want to run, I'll run. You know, I'm not one of these people who's, oh, yes, I have to be a record breaker. I mean, I'm five foot two, you know, I'm short. And as I say, I, I, I don't look sleek when I run. So, yeah. So I did run and I, and I did hike and I did get outdoors and move. So I didn't go from completely couch potato to climbing a mountain. I, I was out and about and, and walking um, a, a fairly long distances um, with my friends. And that was like quite therapeutic. So it's a gradual thing, you know, a little bit of running, a little bit of hiking and a little bit of wild thoughts of doing something slightly different, you know. 
And that's right. where the mountaineering came in. So when you finally made it to Mont Blanc, um, mm-hmm. so what was that trek like? How long did it take you? So it took a total of eight days. And I am not kidding you. When I got there, I was just like, oh, oh my goodness, this is huge. You know where you stood at the bottom of this mountain and you're just looking up in awe of this beast. Um, and then this uh, Swiss no, he wasn't Swiss. He was French. Um, guys came over and he was like, right, do you know how to tie the ropes? And I was like, ropes? What ropes? I don't know oh, anything God. about ropes. And he's oh. talking about harnesses and ice axes. And I remember Leslie going, what have you got me into? You know, we were like dumb and dumber. You know, honestly, we just turned up thinking this is like a little rendezvous. Oh, my goodness. It, we we learned the hard way. And it was really lovely because they were quite gentle and they showed us how to do things. And we were fast learners. We weren't going to show that we had no clue. But it was clearly obvious that we had no clue. Um <laughs> And we learned the ropes and there was a couple of hairy moments, but I think the total uh, trip was eight days. We nearly had to abort the trip because um, there were some really nasty avalanches at the time because it was um, coming to, towards the summer. So that ice is starting to melt and then you've got people disturbing the ice. So the, um, we nearly had to call it off and I had to basically ask Stuart, our guide, please, 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 you know, we have to do what we can to try and get to that summit because I know my supporters have supported the trip, but actually I feel so strongly about having the Teenage Cancer Trust flag at the summit. Um, and he was just very supportive and, and we went at the right time and we left at the right time. There were sadly some incidents the day before uh, where a couple of people did um, lose their lives. So I think um, mountaineering is a dangerous sport. I mean, there's no shadow of a doubt about it. it you know, you're in the hands of, of Mother Nature, you know, Um and even the best guide who knows the weather and understands the weather, accidents do happen. So you do need to, you know, step in that arena with a little bit of caution. Don't enter it like I did, I would say. <laughs> I had to tell you that um, if I'm going to be 100% genuine and honest. So I, I had read earlier and you mentioned that you're afraid of heights and you're afraid and you didn't like the cold. Like I'm afraid of heights, ice, cold, all that stuff. <laughs> If I were had been in your shoes and there was an opportunity for it to not happen, there would have been a part of me inside, a very large part, secretly glad. I would have been like, oh, so sorry, but we raised our money. I'm here. I'm trying. Everybody sees I'm doing my best, but it's out of my control. Like, I, I'm not even going to lie to you. And so the fact that despite your fears, you still fought mm-hmm. to make this happen, I think that's quite extraordinary. Thank you. I think um, when you're in the moment, um, something takes over, you know, it's not, it's almost like an outer body experience. You're there to do something. And so if you don't do it, it feels like unfinished business. And then I'd have to go back, Anna, and I don't want to start from the beginning. (laughs) So So, do you remember what it felt like to stand at the top with that flag? It does. I do. I, I mean, I cried like a baby. Um, I cried more so because uh, 
while the support I had, the people that this was helping, the media exposure that we generated, I mean, it was such a big community project and it was never intended to be that. It was just too many drinks at the bar, let's do this. And it it turned into this extraordinary project. Um, And to share the summit with with Leslie, you know, um, yeah, it was just wonderful. And then, of course, with anything like that, you come back buzzing home and then then it's the next project. And before you know it, it's, yeah, uh, thinking where can we go next and how much money can we raise for who, who needs our support. And that's where, you know, my day-to-day is right now. It's just constantly pushing that boundary of growth and sharing the valuable lessons with schools and businesses and raising money for a whole host of organizations. This is what so grabbed me. Yes, the sight of a woman on a mountain grabbed me. And I'm like, oh, she looks cool. She's got a story, which of course I was right. But then, so every person in my life, basically that I know, loves to support something that means something to them. That um, maybe they can write a check. Maybe they can volunteer. Maybe they can just spread the word. Um, but everyone I know with a heart has causes that speak to them. I would have told you my whole life that if I could have had my absolute perfect job, it would have been doing that full time all the time. And this looks like what you do. You know, so I went and I'm, by the way, your website's in the show notes. I want our listeners, you all got to go check it out. It's just so cool because it seems like this gave birth to an entire life of, of raising money and supporting incredible causes. Is that what you had in mind? <laughs> no, no. I mean, so my background was marketing and PR, and I worked in London in an office, um, you know, working really long hours and just feeling this sensation of the, the paycheck didn't feel that void, no matter how big that paycheck was. And so I decided that actually I didn't really want to do any of that. And I ended up living in the Sinai Desert with my husband, with Bedouins, and helping the locals over there, this is in Egypt, this is like way, you know, in my 20s, I didn't have children, there was no talk of children. Um, So I was always seeking this, um, this thing, you know, and I didn't know what it was. And then I discovered that actually, the less you have materially, I know this is going to sound very woo woo to some people, the more time you have to have fun. So then I thought, right, so these huge paychecks that I'm working for in London, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to dedicate my life to living purposefully, helping others, um, whatever the cause is. You know, I'm, I am defined by causes that help large numbers of people and, and generally for children. I think that's got to be my my thing I I think children deserve that so um yeah so when we got back from Mont Blanc we then decided to climb the Matterhorn and anybody who doesn't know the Matterhorn please go and google it because it is for me looking at it is the most terrifying mountain it's just sharp edges you know you can't even think how on earth would you climb this but you see, I I heard from um, some of my friends that there was a, char- um, a hospital, the A&E unit, which is the emergency unit, 
um, had received this funding and sadly the government had clawed this funding back. And so they'd shut the development of this emergency unit for children that serves the whole of the south of England. So we're not talking like 50,000 people. We're talking hundreds upon thousands of people. Um, and it was due to fun, lack of funding and um, lack of government support. So um, I thought, actually, why don't we try and go and climb another mountain and raise some money? Actually, that some money ended up being almost a quarter of a million pounds in totality. But again, it wasn't me. I was more like the vehicle um, and the one that made the noise. But it was everybody else that... Um, rallied around together to, to make it happen. But of course, you know, it, it is a good story. I'm still scared of heights. I'm not comfortable with heights. I don't think you, it's that danger, you know, um, there's certain elements of danger that you can control, but falling is not something that you can entirely control. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes. So, um, and I'm not a graceful climber. I don't have long limbs, you know, so I'm a bit of a stumbly, a bit like my running, you know. Um, honestly, I'll have to show you my running one day. I think I might video it and send it to you. But my climbing's much the same. You know, I just get by. And um, yeah, so we successfully climbed the Matterhorn as well, which is in Switzerland. Um, and yes, and then there was uh we went to Russia the year after that and again this is all raising money because the local schools and businesses want to hear more where are you going next why are you going there you know did Leslie do those with you as well yes so Leslie um she did she did um and we're going to do loads more together we're going she she retired yesterday from um the police. She's oh, congratulations to her. Oh. I know. So now she's retired. She's got no uh, holiday issues. We'll be able to go off everywhere together. In fact, I think she's coming over in the summer. Um, and we'll hopefully, if COVID allows us, we'll get out and about hiking in the UK. Yeah. Well, I think that, first of all, I think I should totally call Leslie and put her on the podcast so we could get all this from her point of view, because how much do. fun would that be? <laughs> oh, my so. goodness. Do. She would <laughs> love to talk to you. Or maybe this summer when the two of you are in the same place, we could do a double a podcast with both of you on there. I think that would be really cool. Really cool. I'm totally in. Totally yeah. in. That'd because be I'm, to I'm totally putting that in there that it started with too many drinks at the bar. So many of my good <laughs> friendships have started that way. I I'll say so. Um, so, so I, um, so I heard a rumor that you are headed for the North Pole. Is that what, what's next for you? It is. It is. So, um, I, I don't think I'm one of those people that ever dreamt of going to the North Pole. You know how some people are like, you know, I have to do these things, and this is my bucket list. I don't really have a bucket list. I don't have an Excel with plans and figures and numbers. I work very organically. And so what happened is when the pandemic started last year, a lot of my trips got cancelled. So um, I had several trips organized to take other people on expeditions with me, other women with me. So I, I, the year before last, I took a group of 20 women with me to Kilimanjaro um, and that in itself was a ball, Anna, honestly, we had so much fun. But so then we all tried to organize some other trips. And of course, COVID had other plans for us. So we had to cancel everything. And I thought, well, 
if everything's been cancelled, this means that I have to dream up some other projects. And um, I heard there was a lady who was advertising, wanting to put a team, all women, which is, you know, where I'm at. I, I like this, inspiring others. Um, and I applied and she accepted me onto her team. And then I went, oh, my goodness, it's going to be very cold. Um, and we have no money. So this is it's all good. You know, you join a team, but I have no skill set again. I have no money. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, history repeats itself here. But actually, it's all coming together, Anna. So we've now received our sponsor sponsorship. It is a very expensive trip. So I have to say to, our, to you, our sponsor's Rolex. Oh, I was going to ask who your sponsor is because anybody, any company that will support a bunch of women going to the North Pole, it's my kind of company. So let's yeah. give a, like a serious shout out to Rolex. And, um, and if I ever want to buy a really nice watch, that's who I'm going to <laughs> just to thank them for this. Yes. So they, they've sponsored a uh, part of our trip. The other part of the trip's been sponsored by uh, Montclair, which is uh, a clothing, high-end clothing manufacturer. They've been great. And some of the research has been sponsored by Rolex as well. We're doing, basically, it's not just a trip to the North Pole. You know me by now. I'm not <laughs> going to just go there for the sake of going it. There's got to be a purpose. The purpose uh, for this trip is we are going to core ice, the ice, bring back samples of the ice every so so many kilometers, depending on what the scientists tell us. And then that ice is going to be um, melted down into little vials. Half of those vials will be sent to Washington University. The other half are going to be sent to Southampton in, in the UK. And it's basically we're looking for particles of black carbon and microplastics, which is why our global warming issues or part of the reason why the world is upside down a bit. So we're contributing to science um, and hoping to find some answers for, for our children and our children's children, because we won't be around. Still working for the children. I love it. I love it. You know, that it's so interesting. You are one of those, these conversations that I've had on the podcast that literally we've hit on 15 things that could be other episodes. Um, and I will tell you that um, when you just said microplastics, I can't fathom how a plastic could get into a glacier at the North Pole. And so that kind of made my stomach crunch up in horror. You know what I mean? So. Mm -hmm. um, so if that is the case, which it probably is, then I'm really grateful to y'all for going up there and studying it and trying to help fix it. Yes. Yeah. There's a lady at Southampton at the National Oceanography Centre, and that is her entire work. She studies how plastic gets from what, you know, she, if you find a bit of plastic somewhere, she will tell you how it's got there. Wow. It's, it's, she's super clever. So we're basically the foot soldiers collecting all the, the information, all the, the, the samples, and they are going to do the hard work with Felicity, the lady who's put the team together, who's a scientist. When does that happen? So March 2022. So um, October this year, 2021, we're going to Iceland to do the training and, and see what I've got myself in for. You might hear some cursing. It will be me. <laughs> um, and just get used to the equipment and the cold and that sort of thing. 
And then uh, March 2022, we'll be making our way um, onto the ice and see what it's like. Because, you know, Anna, what's fascinating about it, the the window of going there is very, very small. And nobody's been there for three years now. So three years ago, there was some sort of Conf, not conflict dispute between the Russians and the Ukrainians. One owns the airspace, the other one owns the airline, so they won't take you. Oh. So they went, no, no one's going. Okay, then um, COVID, mm-hmm. and then COVID again, you know. So three years, no one's been to this very important um, space that dictates what's happening everywhere else. I mean, we don't right. know what that ice is like. So, yes, it will be really exciting to be on that ice and you know bring the samples back and I'll let you know what we find I can't wait to hear about it I really can't and um and are you either still going to be or afterwards um are you still going to be taking groups of women out on adventures absolutely absolutely 100% make sure would you send me um I don't know if that's a different website. I don't know if it's social media because um, I think there's a really great chance. Some of our listeners are sitting there going, I want to go somewhere with Shani. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah, have to get in line. Sure. I want to go somewhere with you too, but I'm not going anywhere with heights and ice. So <laughs> I'll go to Ooh. like hot, sweaty. That's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> you know, as soon as you say you don't want to do something, Anna, that's the space that you need to get into and do it. Because when you do it, you'll feel re- Amazing. Well, and I know you're right about that. I that have I went caving once because it's that exact oh, wow. same thing. And and my friends are New York Trail Dames. Actually, I went up there, a friend of mine and I, and we hiked on the ice, which for me is a really big deal. I'm a southern girl. I don't do ice. And so you are absolutely right about that. I will not shut the door. But I also have I'm like you, I don't have a bucket list, but adventures fall into my lap and I have a long list of them. So, you know. If some of them happen to be in warm climates, I might do mm-hmm. those before I'm going to do the icy climates. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Keep I'll me definitely posted. Keep that would up. be great. So, well, I'll I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you talking to us today. We're going to put all your posts on um, on the show notes so everybody can check them out. And um, and please, you know, for those of you guys that have a little extra money. Think about supporting some of these amazing causes that Shadi's really working towards because they're all making the world a better place, especially for children. So Shadi, you're a rock star. And now I just want you to be my new best friend. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Anna, for the opportunity. I really enjoyed chatting to you and I look forward to coming back and chatting to you further when oh, I get back. When I thought doing that. <laughs> that and maybe this summer, you and Leslie, I could talk to y'all together. That'd be- oh, yes, that'd be <laughs> lovely. Definitely. Thank you, sweetie. Now you see what I meant? See what I was talking about? She is leading my, just my dream life. But I got to tell you, I think she's doing a much better job at it than I would have done. And, you know, my favorite part about all that is it literally just started with a conversation with a stranger who became a friend and their dreams came together and they started to do this thing. So the next time you're somewhere on vacation, you're sitting in a restaurant, hanging out at a bar somewhere, and you meet someone, pay attention, because you just never know where that conversation could take you. And hang out because, let me just tell you, when she does come back from the North Pole, she's coming back on this show. I can't wait to hear all about that. I am so glad you found us here at the Trail Dames Podcast. 
Now hang out for just a few more minutes and listen to a couple of my own Appalachian Trail journal entries. My name is Anna. All my friends call me Mudbutt. And we really appreciate you here at the Trail Dames Podcast. July 25th. Wow, what a day. We woke up to the sounds of Boy Scouts trying to get their food down off the bear poles. We quickly choked down a cold breakfast and packed up to hit the trail. The morning swiftly took a downward turn as both Bumpkin and I were both a little out of sorts. You know how some days you just don't want to go to work? Well, some days we just don't want to hike. Only today, there was nothing else I wanted to do either. I was feeling emotional, and knowing that I wasn't the greatest of company, I left Bumpkin to hike on her own. I don't know whether it is the physical exertion or the atmosphere, my emotions seem to sit so much closer to the surface out here. My buttons are much easier to push, and I seem to be close to tears much of the time. As for today, there was no particular reason for me to be this way. I just was. I spent the morning walking it off, and by lunchtime, I was better. We met in an old family graveyard that's linked to the trail by an overgrown path. There were only six or seven graves, but we could easily piece together the history of this family. As we sat eating our lunch, I was struck by how peaceful a place it was. I could have stayed a whole afternoon. As the day wore on, we hiked and we hiked and then we hiked some more. The trail took us through old forest with lots of dead trees littering the ground and huge gray stones that were strewn about. As usual, there was knee-high underbrush covering everything, and every time something made a noise, I was sure that it was a bear. I am dying to see a bear. But alas, as the afternoon wore on, all I saw was mile after mile of stinging nettle that seemed determined to impede my progress. I had set a goal to reach the campground by 6.30. And when 6.45 came around, I was still slowly making my way up a mountain. I was so tired that I was having to stop and rest every few minutes. During the last week, I have seen a dramatic increase in my stamina. So having to stop this often was frustrating. It was during one of these rests that I heard it. Crunch, rustle, crunch, crunch, rustle. I looked over and he walked out of a bush. My bear! I was so excited. With pepper spray close at hand, I slowly reached into my pocket for my camera. He was young enough that I looked around for Mama, but she was nowhere to be seen. I quietly took his picture, and I watched as he wandered deeper into the forest. He was awesome. He looked just like a stuffed bear with the brown nose that kind of points forward. He never even knew I was there. I may see more this week, but he will be the most special. When I got to the campground, I found Bumpkin smack dab in the middle of the last spot that they had, and she had already invited another hiker to share our site. Spiller is a police detective headed for retirement, and I liked him immediately. He's outgoing, gregarious, and unbelievably funny. I knew we were going to have a great evening. We were just starting dinner when a familiar figure walked toward us with a backpack. Doppler, our friend from Rusty's. I have to tell you, Doppler is one of my favorite people I have met on this hike. He's nice and kind with a dry, intelligent wit, and he's always fun to be around. Well, the campground was full, so what were we to do but invite him to share our site? The evening that commenced was full of laughter and fun. When the park ranger came to quiet us down, we all laughed when Spiller commented on how embarrassing it would be to be arrested for laughing. Needless to say, we had to turn in way too soon. 
However, as I lay here with my sides aching from laughing so much, it occurred to me that the day really did turn out great. Lesson learned. Don't like the mood you're in? Just wait a while. It always looks up in the end. Love, Mudbutt. July 26th. You know, the thing about campgrounds is that there is just no sleeping late. You couldn't if you wanted to. Scout groups, children and their families, even the young couples all think that 645 is an acceptable time to be up and moving around. So if you can't beat them, join them. I got up early and I enjoyed the morning. It is a strange experience to be surrounded by noise and activity after spending so much time in the woods. Bubkin and I always tent even if we stay at the shelter, so noise is rarely an issue. This morning, I lay in my tent reading while listening to the sounds around me. The girls across from us want to see some deer. Several sides down, a dog growls at someone, and the kid up from us asks his mom for cereal for breakfast. Being in a campground is kind of like being an eavesdropper on all these families. By the time we leave, I know many stories about all of them. The four of us got moving very slowly and sat around the picnic table laughing and enjoying the morning. We are all about to go our separate ways, but we're kind of reluctant to rush it. Finally, though, we all hug and take off on our various adventures. Us to the north, Doppler to the north, but much faster than us, and Spiller to the south. Our time together will go down as being one of my favorite trail experiences. The hike today was beautiful and relatively easy. There was a hysterical moment when Bumpkin gently cursed Spiller for telling us that the trail was flat, when it obviously wasn't, but otherwise the day went by without a hitch. Our general plan was to go to Big Meadows Campground and take a shower and do laundry. It has been six days since we have done either, so we are long due. If you've been reading my journal, you know that this is the third campground we have stayed in this week. So you might be asking yourself, why haven't you done these things sooner? Well, in these campgrounds, showers are a dollar for five minutes. At first, we just considered that highway robbery, so we put it off. Then we were having too much fun with our friends to worry about such peddling things. Well, we got here today, and it turns out that there are no openings anywhere at the campground. And this place is huge. So that shower will still have to wait. Dinner, however, was non-negotiable. And we are not having any of that short-order cheeseburger stuff either. We had our sights set on the lodge, a fancy restaurant full of coiffed linen-wearing retirees. I figured we'd fit right in. We had been hiking hard and needed a good meal, so in we went. The waitstaff didn't even blink, and they seated us immediately. The food was superb, and the company was even better as we toasted to bumpkin reaching 900 miles today. Full as ticks, uh, that might not be the best reference to use these days, but let's just say fully sated, we headed for the campground. We needed to walk through it to reach the AT. We were halfway through when Bumpkin spotted a young couple by themselves on a large campsite. She walked right up to them and asked if we could set up our tents on their site, provided we pay them for it. They quickly agreed, and before we knew it, we were set up and laying on the grass, writing in our pocket mail. I was really grateful to these folks, because I was pretty tired. We still didn't get showers or clean clothes, but we were happy as we can be. Oh well, we'll be in Luray on Monday, and we can take care of all the housekeeping then. I am laying in my tent, listening to a whole new set of mini stories. A group of kids are playing ball in the streets and a baby is crying down the path. And somewhere close, a cell phone is ringing. The young couple sharing their sight with us are discussing what to name their children when they have them. They laugh quietly as they dream and they discuss whether they want boys or girls. 
and my heart contracts. It seems such a tender, soft conversation, and I find myself wondering whether I will ever have one like it. Ah, it is 10 o'clock in the evening and the campground is finally calming down. And it's time to say goodnight. Love, Mudbutt.